Hello, thanks for joining in Telecast. This is season three, episode 25. And once again, through the quarantine, we're cranking out like two episodes a week. It's out of control. Hope you're enjoying listening. If you give us any feedback, we would love to hear it. It's in Telecast at emi-rs.com. You can follow us on Twitter at emi underscore research or in Telecast one. And we would love to have a text or a voicemail at 513-401-5463. Um, this is Brian Lamar, and um, joining me today is, first of all, producer Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, how are you? Doing great. And the special guest this week is Amy Carley. Hello, Amy. Hi, Brian. Oh, man, so excited. I, this is the first time we've been on the podcast together, I think, because you and Adam did it last time a couple years ago. And so this is a treat for me. I know. And <laughs> I miss seeing your smiling face each day as we work remote. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Amy is our executive vice president of operations, doesn't even hold a thimble to what she really does in the office, which is pretty much everything. Her job title could be pretty much anything in the office because her job is, um, very broad and she does pretty much everything. So, um, excited to have you again. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, want to talk current events? Yeah, let's do it. I think... And by the way, the, the, this current event is um, for all three of us, really, because I have for weeks and weeks been instant messaging both of you two about this and talking about it. And um, it's the press conference, the daily press conference in Ohio. Yes. And I would well, like to say that I turned you on to this daily did. news conference. You did. Our last day in the mm-hmm. office. That's right. You were like, oh, my gosh, Amy Acton is the greatest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's this Amy Acton lady? And then I became obsessed with it. And then I realized that other people like Brian watch it every day. And my guess is that in whatever state you're in, you probably have something similar. But in Ohio, our governor speaks every day at 2 o'clock. And he's joined by Amy Acton, who is, oh, gosh, what's her job title, Amy? Do you know? Um, I'm blanking. She's yeah. the doctor of the state. <laughs> it's like health director or something? Yes. Yeah. She's and, a non. She's a non-political yes. type role, and um, I'm obsessed with her. And um, you know, it's it's like any other press conference. But she, I've been an Amy, I think as well, and I think Brian as well. Think she is the absolute greatest because she is incredibly smart. She um, delivers with a lot of poise. I think even when she's delivering bad news. Like she's a very likable person, and, and mm-hmm. do you all agree with that? I do. I don't think we're the only people either. There have been. I, <laughs> last week, I read a New York Times write up about her. She just has a fascinating backstory. Her childhood was uh, very fascinating. She's overcome a lot of odds, and uh, the New York Times article was on her leadership style. And it did make me think, like, she's saying things I don't like. Like, I don't want her to tell me that I have to stay in my house longer. Yeah. But I like her, and and I like the way she's delivering the message. And she's somehow making it feel like we're all on the same team. Yep. And, like, she's going to guide us through this. I think there's a lot to be learned from the way she speaks and, and how she communicates Completely agree, Brian. How about you? Do you hate Amy? Yeah. Acton? Do you love Amy Acton? I love Amy Acton. Um, <laughs> I find that she has—it's very empathetic the way she speaks. Yes, that 
it's very relatable. It's like, okay, yeah, she just, yeah, even if, like you said, Amy, it's stuff you don't really want to hear, but it's delivering the tough news, but in a way that's easily ex- easily digestible and acceptable. Yep. Love okay. her. And I, th- I think you make a good point, Amy, around her like leadership style is that it's very different than a typical politician, regardless of the political party. I watch um, the Ohio one most days of the week, and that's we have a Republican governor. And I watched the Kentucky one as well, because most of my family lives in Kentucky, and they have a Democratic governor. And the press conferences are pretty similar. Um, DeWine and Bashir are both doing, I think, a very good job through this. But the more likable people, for some reason, are the people that talk about the health care. And I don't know what it is about the way they deliver the message or how they do it, but um, they just seem more trustworthy to me. Maybe that's my just general skepticism. I agree. And have, maybe I'll buy each of you. I think there's like coffee mugs and things that say wine with DeWine. <laughs> maybe. Yes. <laughs> maybe I'll send each of you one of those. <laughs> yes. We'll share them on Zoom. We'll have a coffee together. <laughs> um, Brian, do you, do you think they have any pint glasses for beer with Bashir? <laughs> I think they do. I have heard that before, actually. And there's also is a better time. There's her at five o'clock. Which there's her at five, yeah. Beer with Bashir is better than at five o'clock than wine with the wine at two. Maybe for some of it. But it is quarantine <laughs> rules. Um, also, I'm obsessed with the sign language interpreter. She has an interesting love story. Her. Too. I love her. And we have, I think we have three different sign language interpreters, mm-hmm. but she is a deaf sign language interpreter, which it took me a minute to kind of grasp that. And my understanding is that she is so good at interpreting sign language because she understands different dialects, which is just fascinating to me. And like, I don't know. It's just like, it's amazing to me. Um, And one of the, one of the few benefits I think that we've got out of this coronavirus thing is that she's become kind of a somewhat of a celebrity as well, along with Amy Acton and that it, it creates kind of a conversation around sign language and the importance of it. And, um, I don't know. I found that fascinating as well. Yeah, I've learned a lot about things that I had never really given much thought to, like sign language interpreting. Right. And I, I, one day I Googled her and just came up with all of this information. Yeah. So I, I agree. There are some positive things. We're all, we're all learning about things we otherwise would not have been so in tune with. <sighs> well, I do love Amy Act, and we'll close with that, as we all mm-hmm. do. Um, Agreed. Should we move on to some research news, Brian? Sure. Um, First up, we have Vision Critical has launched a new insights app to help brands engage with a broader broader customer bases. Yeah, I found that interesting. Um, I used to work with Vision Critical, actually, but, um, you know, I think they said something about the app is, has, gives them more opportunity to, to talk to people that don't normally participate in regular surveys. So I found that interesting. So um, good move by them. And it's nice to see them in the news. Yeah. We have another product launch with AHA. They launched Quick Sprint Studies, a new solution that helps researchers accelerate their innovation initiatives and concept testing. Yeah, I like AHA. I'm familiar with Ray Fisher because I was at a conference with him not too long ago. And he is um, in Michigan. He's Mr. Detroit. And I did some research on their company recently because we did some online qualitative um, training internally, and they do a ton of online qualitative. He's kind of an expert on it, so nice to see them in the news as well. 
I do have one question on that though. Is that similar to the directions product with seek that idea type thing they're doing working on? And the name escapes me at the moment. Yeah, a little bit, I think in that, you know, seek is the local qualitative agency that directions research bought a couple years ago. And yet aha probably would be um, a competitor to that. That's about how I would put it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, WPP has reported a 4.9% drop in their Q1 revenue, and they've attributed that to COVID-19 and have applied for a 600 million pound government-backed loan to help them through this crisis. Yeah, this is um, not a great story for the industry, but probably one of many that we'll hear, especially, you know, we're still in the middle of Q2. Once we start hearing Q2 results, we'll hear probably even worse. But the thing I found interesting about this was all these new measures that they're going through to cut costs, which, you know, voluntary sacrifice of um, salary, um, freezing of pay, uh, freezing recruitment, um, halting spending on travel and hotels and award shows, which I thought was interesting. They're halting award shows. Um, So, you know, they're doing everything they can to avoid massive layoffs, uh, which are probably somewhat inevitable for the bigger players. But, um, we'll see once we get through Q2. Um, hopefully they can, this will help. Can I ask a question to both of you on this? Thinking back to like the crisis of 08 or even before that, did you, I don't think we ever saw as much companies will and employees willing to take like salary cuts and things like this. I, at least I don't remember this going in 08, 09, where you have C levels like, yep, I'm not taking salary this year to help or, hey, we're going to cut 20% salaries versus laying off a thousand people. Is it just me? Did I just have a blind spot to that? <laughs> um, well, from my perspective, I, I think during that crisis in the late, in eight, what you mentioned, 08, 09, I was not like in leadership at the time. I So I wasn't involved in all the news stories. And so I wasn't aware of it. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember it happening at all. If it did, I wasn't aware of it. I don't know, Amy, did, do you remember anything? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think it was more focused on layoffs and closing complete divisions of companies. That was uh, just after I moved to EMI, actually. But the company that I worked for previously, um, right after I left, they closed down the in- entire warehouse and storeroom and um, lighting showroom where I worked. So, again, I wasn't. In leadership, I was sort of like right out of college at the bottom of the barrel, but um, I do think it was more focused on layoffs rather than giving up at a higher level. Yeah, maybe maybe that's something, if you can protect jobs and maybe a lot of people can take, you know, a, a small hit for a longer mm-hmm. period of time, it'll protect a lot of other jobs. Yeah, it could protect time. having to close entire yeah. divisions. Yeah. It's especially like they talked about in the article about China revenue was down 21%, which would make sense because, you know, Kantar and Lightspeed is a big in Asia as well, and they were hit first. And so maybe the China part will recover quicker than, you know, the Western European and the North American part. Yeah. Well, our next story uh, Measure Protocol, guess who were just on two episodes ago, have debuted Passive Behavior Gauge, giving researchers a more holistic view on their consumer attitudes. 
Yeah, I was I was excited to see this press release, which might have been like during our podcast, I think, while we were recording it. It was that day. And they talked about it at length. So if you want more information, they, they talked about it in the podcast. But one thing I really liked was um, they said that they ran a pilot program with getting people to um, confirm that they were willing to do this. And I think 70, 78% of participants expressed interest to connect their passive data. I thought was a good sign, which would make sense because they're kind of a more of an innovative app-based panel, so they might be more likely to do it. But that seemed like a good conversion rate. That was one thing that stood out to me. Um, Amy, do you have anything to add to that? Anything about Measure Protocol? You know them pretty well. I do. I think they're a great company. I think that sounds like a lot of people that were willing to to pass that information, but you're right. Maybe it has something to do with just their types of users are technology brained and excited to do something like that. Yeah. I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Um, you know, that's the kind of a new um, way of market research is all this passive data and third-party data and mm-hmm. we used to call it appended data. And so delivering more insights like this will be kind of a wave of the future. At least I, that's how I see it. I like the word passive better than append. (laughs) Append, yeah, that's such a research. Like you could tell that we didn't have a lot of marketing people in research because we describe things like, oh, we'll just append it. We'll just add it. So that's what we're going to call it. And then smarter people than us and marketers get involved. Oh, we're going to call it passive data because that's such a better kind of... It just sounds so much nicer. (laughs) It's all about the branding. Yeah. Oh. Our next story is the Insights Association has released a set of guidelines for U.S. research businesses and in-person facilities to use as COVID-19 restrictions are starting to be lifted. I know every state seems to be in different stages. You have like Georgia opening up pretty much, same as Texas. Here in Ohio, we're up, we're starting to open up. I read today that California, like L.A. is going to have their stay-at-home order probably go through July so I, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, first of all, kudos to the Insights Association. I feel like they have just killed it this year with all of the things going on. Um, they've just been so timely and effective with their communication. I think this was awesome, especially they talked about in the article about, or the press release about like qualitative, some kind of mm-hmm. guidelines. Here's best practices in qualitative and things like, if someone's had the virus within the previous 14 days, they should be disqualified from in-person research. That's something I think we can all agree with. And the fact that they came up with that standard, I think, is very important. That's why that's why they exist. Um, they talked about group sizes, should be said, between four and eight. I mean, that's, that's exactly why they exist, is to make kind of those best practices. Um, they talk about taking temperature in the office and those types of things as well. And that's more related to kind of what we are since we're online quantitative instead of qualitative. But those were a few of my takeaways. Amy, what did you think? Yeah, I actually, you know, we, like you mentioned, we don't have a qualitative scenario, but I was curious about that. And I, I thought all the guidelines they established really made sense and could be helpful to a business trying to figure out how to, how to get back um, to their daily activities. And yeah, I know just it, EMI, just trying to uncover what what questions might come up and how can we, you know, start allowing people back in the office. It's so much to think about. So I agree. That was nice to have a a starting point from them. Right. And um, 
Brian, what did you think? I mean, we're, we're hopefully getting back in the office at least partially somewhat soon. Did you have any insights from it? Yeah, um, I do like that they have the guidelines. It seems similar to some of the ones you've seen elsewhere where you have retail or or other office settings and different standards. So it looks like they pulled out some of those best guidelines from different states and from different industries to throw in here and depending on what section you work on. So like in the qual area, there's going to probably be a lot more guidelines for them than for us just going back into the office. Yep. Like for us, it's easy. Hey, no guests. Right. Don't come in if you're sick. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not that hard, but yeah. But you would not believe the level of planning that has gone on behind It is a little bit. Honestly, though, we, we all work in a big room, right? Yeah. So we do have to give some thought around, you know, who can come in at the same time or, you know, you don't want everybody sitting on top of each other. And there's just yeah. a lot to think about. Yeah, and also, Brian, you and I, if we were both in the office, sit about probably four feet from each other. Yeah, we would not be within the social distance. <laughs> right. No, you wouldn't. So we'd, we'd have to build uh, – maybe we should just put a shower curtain in between us or something so that we can work at our normal desk. Let's write that down. Shower curtain. I don't, Let, let's I, make I'll, a trip to Home Depot. No, no. Some- I'll come up with something. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. No, sh- Amy no shower curtains. No yeah. shower curtains. <laughs> this can be solved relatively cheap cheap with some PVC and some, some shower curtains. No. I did see a restaurant was doing that actually. They built like almost like a self-contained booth for every table in the restaurant. So well, is that all the news, Brian? That is all of the news. Okay. Um, well, let's move on to the best part of the, of the um, episode, I think, and that's talking about um, a product that we've had in the works behind the scenes for quite a long time, and um, that's one of the main reasons Amy is here, um, and that's to talk about Connector. Um, Amy, thanks for giving us details on Connector, uh, which we – did we just launch it this week? Is that right? Last week. Last week. Okay. It feels like it was like a month ago, but time is weird these days. Um, so, Amy, tell us about Connector. What is Connector? I, I would love to. So, Connector <laughs> is EMI's proprietary sample procurement and management platform, uh, essentially our first entry into the DIY market. Uh, at EMI, we've used our proprietary sample management tool internally. Uh, we call it SWIFT for more than 10 years. About two years ago, we completely uh, started over and, and just have really made it the best it can be. And it works so well for us internally that as more of our clients were mentioning their desire to DIY, we thought, how can we share this and just really make it, you know, applicable for everyone. So uh, we kind of looked at Swift and decided Connector is powered by Swift. It has the same look and feel, and it has access to EMI's API network. So you essentially can check feasibility, set up, and launch a study on your own with a login to Connector. Um, that was a good, succinct explanation. So it's basically a DIY tool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Swift. And um, while this is about the benefits of Connector, I think one of the benefits is actually Swift, which we may have been one of the first companies to kind of build Swift which is part of Connector, and that is the digital fingerprinting part, which helps with duplication and helps with fraud. Um, And that's one of my favorite benefits. 
Yeah, all of our digital fingerprinting and bot detection are baked into Connector. So that was, you know, really one of the basic functions that we knew just would have to be included in something external. Right. And so that's one benefit. Are there other benefits to why someone should use Connector? Yes, definitely. So uh, feasibility, our API network can get most studies finished within normal spec ranges. Uh, Connector is focused uh, mostly on U.S. and gen pop demographic targeting, but it can really get a lot done. There's a lot of feasibility there. Uh, quality. So anyone that EMI has an API with has passed our partner assessment and they're evaluated ongoing um, in terms of, you know, research on research and just making sure they're reliable and representative and what they're providing. Um, so there's no kind of question about what kind of sample will be coming into the study. And I think also service. So we don't just leave a client on their own via connector. There's a contact us button on every page. And uh, someone at EMI has eyes on anything running in connector at all times. So we're always able to, you know, pick up and help if needed, if something's not going as expected or, you know, if specs are coming in different than you thought they would. Uh, but also just being able to set up and launch at someone's own convenience. We have extended hours at EMI, but I don't, sometimes you just want to do something yourself quickly. And yeah. so this allows for that. Yeah. People have been asking about this. So this is, um, I'm really excited that we built this. And one of the things you mentioned was quality and I, I don't think we've ever had a podcast to talk about. We don't talk about our services very often. So we should have another podcast just on how we build our partner network. We don't talk about it enough. And for those of you that don't know, we long before I joined DMI, they built this assessment process to allow partners into the network. And it's very rigid and strict. And it hasn't really changed a whole lot over the years. It's pretty similar to how it was probably 10 years ago. Um, and so... We only let in approximately a third of the people that apply to our network. And our connector product is similar to that in that it's only the same partners that we work with on a normal daily basis, um, just with an API. Um, and so I think it should be improved quality because of that. We're not just connecting with anybody and everybody that wants to connect with us. It's um, it's a process to determine who kind of we want to work with, right? Yeah, it is. And it's really um, an API is an even more stringent process, I would say, yeah. you know, because we want to make sure that we're going to utilize those APIs. So these are really not, um, you know, suppliers that we work with regularly. We trust with a lot of our business and we know that the quality is there. Yeah. And another benefit you mentioned is service and, you know, I don't work day to day like, well, I guess you, you did for years, Amy, mm -hmm. you're less day to day now, but, um, but I work less day to day than even you do. And the, the thing when I talk to clients the most and I read our NPS scores and I hear feedback from clients is our one of our, maybe our number one benefit is the service we provide. And I know that starts really with you because you were our, I think you're kind of our original project manager and you built a team and you manage, now the team is really big and now there's really a couple of different teams. And throughout the years, one constant has been our service is just amazing. And so the fact that we're still doing, we're giving you a DIY tool, but keeping um, our service benefits um, is just amazing to me. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, as Connector, we didn't want to make it feel like 
we were trying to get rid of our service. You know, we do, we take on a lot of, you know, difficult to manage jobs and we still want to do that for our clients. Um, this is really just adding a, a benefit for someone that, you know, has something simple that they feel like they just want to get up and running. But that being said, we also know that things don't always come in as expected. So we're there to help and pick it up if we have to. Yep. And you kind of, I think you mentioned U.S. and lots of feasibility. What's mm-hmm. what's kind of like the ideal study if someone wanted to kind of give Connector a trial? Is it a is it a high IR U.S. based consumer study, or is it something um, else? It would be a U.S. based consumer study. Not it doesn't necessarily have to be high IR, but something okay. that um, you would target basic demographics. Um, we what we did when we were looking at you know, putting connector together and what, what kind of things we would need to target. We looked at the things that were asked for most frequently and mapped those out. So things like age, gender, household income, zip code, uh, we went ahead and added in investable assets because that's something that we're asked for frequently. Um, age and gender of children, DNA, um, something else that, um, as I rolled out a soft launch, I was being asked for daily with this political party. So we went ahead and mapped that into just, you know, given our current climate and a lot of polling going on, uh, we added political party as well. So things that are consumer, um, you know, that you don't have a ton of quotas. You just, you know, you want a gen pop read on something. Again, doesn't have to be high IR, but, you know, we have a ton of feasibility and basic demographics targeted for you. Awesome. Um, and if people want to learn more or they maybe someone would want a demo, I know I hear all the mm-hmm. time about you giving demos. So how, how can someone get on your calendar to maybe they can mm-hmm. see a demo? Uh, contact me, amy.carly at emi-rs.com or go to our website. There's a request to demo button there. Um, or you could also reach out to your sales rep. They can always put you in touch as well. Um, and we have a webinar coming oh, up yeah. as well. The webinar is right around the corner. When when is that? It's Friday, oh, the fifteenth at <laughs> okay. eleven a.m. Okay. And how long is this webinar? It'll probably be just more details. It'll be kind of a demo of what we just talked about, right? But it'll be thirty forty five um, minutes, I'm assuming. Yes, and I'll just run through a quick demo there, just so everyone can get the look and feel. It's very simple. It's very user friendly. Uh, it's pretty hard to not set something up correctly. So it, it actually doesn't take all that long to demo because we tried to make it as simple as possible. Awesome. And I know that producer Brian would love it if you filled out the form on our website or you mentioned the mm-hmm. podcast when you emailed Amy um, or uh, join the webinar. That'd be awesome. There's apparently going to be a registration link in the show notes. And if, if you're listening to this after Friday the 15th, um, I'm sure Amy will be happy to, to kind of give you your own customized demo herself. Absolutely. Um, anything else I'm missing with Connector? Brian, you've been super involved with Connector. Am I missing anything or did we neglect to talk about anything? No, I think you got all of it. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's move on to some fun. Um this is my favorite new P. So for those of you listening, we sometimes do the four P's, which we took from the marketing mix. It's a segment we've done for two and a half years. And today we're going to do a P with Amy, and that is pandemic. It's my favorite new P, not my favorite thing going on in society right now, but it's my favorite thing to talk about. Because I think as this goes on, as a society, 
we are doing something funny or interesting during this quarantine that I've been talking about almost every episode. I have something new to share about something ridiculous that I've done. Um, and Amy has offered to share something she's doing during the pandemic, and I'd love to hear it, and we can make fun of her maybe. <laughs> well, I've been doing a lot of a lot of things around my house that aren't necessarily odd, but yeah. I guess the most different thing that I'm doing is uh, just working in the same room with my husband on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and my kids are here, but we do have a nanny who has um, still been coming and kind of quarantining with us as part of our <laughs> our tribe, if you will. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of funny to be working on a daily basis with my husband and in the background. And we yeah. we don't really argue about anything, really. I mean, oh, really? We, no, we get along really well. I think this <laughs> um the thing that he he bangs on his computer a lot, and that kind of gives me anxiety. Yeah, we off the air. We could talk about maybe why that gives you anxiety, but <laughs> um, for those of us that see you on Zoom throughout the day, we can hear Matt often throughout the day on the phone because he he has an important job just like you do, and he's on the phone having meetings and. Um, he seems like he's kind of a wanderer, like I am on the phone. He does. He wanders okay. all around while he's on <laughs> yeah, the phone. Yeah. That's how I am. I wander <laughs> around while on the phone. Um, and so, it's, I don't know. I, to me, I love it. It's so interesting to me seeing people's children. Like, we see your children at happy hour on Friday. Yes. And sometimes we'll see your nanny kind of in the background. You probably don't notice it, but we do watching you on Zoom. I know. Um, it's kind of funny because I did realize that I sit kind of the opposite way, but in the background, I think people see see what's going on behind me. And even though I'm in a room, yeah, they walk by in the hallway. Yeah, I see Margot and her. I think they were going out <laughs> for something yesterday. Margot's her little daughter. Um, Brian, I see, sometimes I see, uh, a I think yesterday you had a child. Uh, was Blake, in, I think he was in a meeting yesterday, maybe. Yeah, he was. He's shown up a few times. My daughter as well. I am in the same boat as Amy. I share an office with my wife Yeah, most days. Um, our normal planning session in the morning is who's got what calls when, and can you be in the office for those particular calls, or do you need to leave? Because my wife is in healthcare, so some of her calls have HIPAA-related information that is being shared, so I have to leave. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. wow. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That so yeah. Wow. So yeah, we're like, oh, like today I'm like, hey, I we're recording the podcast from 1 30 to 2 30. I need the office for that. So it's quiet. But then she had it all of this morning because she had meetings back to back from eight to like eleven. So we just trade off back and forth from the office. Wow. I didn't I think about HIPAA stuff. I mean, there's amazing how many things have been complicated by this, right? Right. Yeah. Cause like even her guidelines for working from home that she got from her job was like, Hey, you need to have an off, you need to be in a space that has closed doors that you're by yourself. So technically when I'm in here, it's breaking those guidelines, but yeah, I know. I, d I guess I didn't really think about that. Another thing is um, our children. I feel like this is as if they weren't tech savvy enough. This is making them like <laughs> even more aware. We have, they know what zoom is. Oh, they God. know what zoom calls are. We were on a zoom call with some family and my son who just turned three said, I want the astronaut background. Like he knew oh, somehow that there were backgrounds on zoom. 
So these are all strange things that are happening yeah. during this wow. pandemic that definitely would not have happened otherwise. Yeah, interesting. Um, my life has changed and similarly that my wife now works more than she did before. So she was working kind of part-time in a chiropractor's office, but somehow during this quarantine, she's now she's working like 50 hours a week. So she's never home during the day. And so I'm home during the day most days, and she's never home. And I'm with the dog, Bonnie, who you may hear in the background on just about any meeting I'm on. She snores all day long because that's her routine. Um, that's another weird thing of my life is just people always commenting on my dog in the background because she makes very odd noises. Well, she's just loud. I mean, she's not like disruptive, but you can hear her. It's funny. Your microphone picks that up. <laughs> yeah. And she sleeps about 20 hours a day. Um, well, cool. Thanks for sharing a, a funny pandemic and, get, and letting the listeners know more about your family and your home, work from home life. Yeah. I mean, we're, I'm definitely not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, I do have a question for you. When you're talking sure. about Zoom, uh, my son and your son are about the same age. Anytime now that there is some sort of like Zoom, Google Meet, any of those type commercials that come up on TV, does your son wave at them too and start talking to them like we're on a Zoom call? <laughs> or is that just no. my son? No, he hasn't done that, but he definitely asks for backgrounds on Zoom calls. <laughs> nice that is really funny i will pay more attention though maybe i just oh, haven't no. noticed him doing that i'll let you know <laughs> yeah that happened the other day we were sitting and i think it was something on hulu he was watching and it just popped up like a google meets one. he started waving and talking dad why aren't they answering it's commercial bud <laughs> they're very aware yeah well Thanks for sharing, guys. And I think we should just end the podcast right here. If you um, like information about Connector, reach out to Amy. Um, hopefully, you'll join the webinar. And thanks for listening. Reach out to us with any feedback at Intellicast at emi-rs.com. And thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.